The word of God is perfect. God is perfect. Unfortunately, human beings who interpret it aren't. So, uh, but we'll do our best this morning to, uh, to speak the words of God. Well, it's come to the last Sunday of the year, and um, we've come to the, uh, the last in our series of Come, Buy, Drink and Eat. We're at part 12 of our series, basically looking at Jesus calling us to buy, drink and eat from him. But the amazing difference is the Old Testament says we can come to God and buy from him. The New Testament says because of Jesus' death, his resurrection and his ascension and sending the Holy Spirit to us, that we can now, or he can now come to us and we can eat and drink with him, not just from him. Um, And we've been learning about our souls and the last time, part 11 of this series, we talked about how every soul comes from God. Our bodies are created by this amazing thing that God said to Adam and Eve to go forth and multiply, using a seed and sperm coming together and the biology and the science of what happens. A body is created amazingly. We're fearfully and wonderfully made and designed. However, in my understanding of scripture, the moment this baby, this body is conceived, God breathes life into this little body, a living soul comes into being. And the Bible says that we are knitted together. He knits us together in our mother's womb. He makes my innermost being. And my understanding of that is when this little child, this little body starts being created, God knits together this spirit, this soul, with this body together. He creates my innermost being. And so we can't blame God for our bodies. That's just DNA. That's genes, isn't it? Whether it's good or bad. But because you're alive, whether your parents wanted you or not, whether you're a mistake or whether you are planned, whether you're wanted or not wanted, the very fact that you are a living soul means that God chose you to exist. Isn't that amazing? Your body came about because of this amazing blueprint that God designed. But you, the living soul part of you, the body gets left behind, doesn't it? You get a new body in heaven. But the living soul part of you, the part of you that is you, God placed in that body because he wanted you to exist and have a relationship with him. Isn't that wonderful? That is good, isn't it? So we've been learning about our souls and what Jesus does and can do with our souls because the truth is a soul comes from God and every soul one day will stand before God whether they believe in Jesus or not. Every soul must stand before God in judgment and they have an opportunity in this life to be saved, to be born again and adopted as God's children, to stand before God washed in the blood of the Lamb. Hallelujah. Okay, so in January we're going to begin a new series on fasting and prayer. So hopefully we haven't lost half the congregation <laughs> next Sunday. All right. But it's an important it's, it's going to be important for January 2024 and beyond. You're going to learn why later on, I think in January, in 2024 you're going to learn why suddenly God has said to this church you need to learn about fasting. Anyway, let's go to the two scriptures that started off 
what we've been learning about. And let's read them aloud together. Isaiah 55 and um, Revelation 3. Let's read them aloud, shall we? I'll come down here so I can look at the screen. Come, all you are thirsty, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me and eat what is good and you will delight in the richest of fare. Give ear and come to me. Listen that you may live. To the angel of the church in Laodicea write, These are the words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I am about to spit you out of my mouth. You say, I am rich, I have acquired wealth, and do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire, so you can become rich and white clothes to wear, so you can cover your shameful nakedness, and salve to put on your eyes so you can see. Those whom I love I rebuke and discipline, so be earnest and repent. Here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. Powerful words there from God in the Old Testament and the New Testament. And the amazing thing that our Lord and Saviour wants to enter into our souls. He comes to live in our spirit by the Holy Spirit. And then he says, I'm knocking on the door of your soul. You don't realise that you're poor, wretched, pitiful, naked. You think you're rich. You think you've made it. And yet, I want to come in and eat with you and you with me in your soul. Okay. So. On our journey we've learnt that much of this transformation in our relationship with Jesus on this earth happens or takes place in our soul, our mind, our will, our emotions. Because after all, in this scripture, it does tell us, this next scripture, sorry, the next slide, it does tell us that we're like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and the overseer, or you can say caretaker, of your soul. Jesus is the caretaker of your soul. Okay, let's turn to Psalm 143. If you've got your Bibles or your phones, it will be on the screen, but if you've got it in front of you and you can make notes or you can just kind of read around some of the scriptures as well, sometimes it helps. So Psalm 143, it's a psalm of David, and we'll start at verse 6. We've been looking at the why. We're going to look at the how today. Um, David says in verse 6, he says, I spread out my hands to you. My soul thirsts for you like a parched land. 
Now, everyone's soul thirsts for God. That's how we are made. Deep down, everyone knows they have a thirsty soul, but sadly, most don't realize that it's a relationship with Jesus that their soul is thirsting for. Without proper understanding of the gospel and their salvation and relationship with Jesus, people's thirsty souls lead them down all sorts of disappointing avenues. Now, thankfully, King David, who was a man after God's own heart, knew who his soul thirsted for. So let's read verse 6 again. I spread out my hands to you. My soul thirsts for you like a parched land. Answer me quickly, O Lord. My spirit fails. Do not hide your face from me, or I will be like those who go down to the pit. Let the morning bring me word of your unfailing love, for I have put my trust in you. Show me the way I should go. For to you, I lift up my soul. This is how you open the door that Jesus is knocking on and meet with Jesus when you lift up your soul to him. In a sense, you offer or you open up your soul to him. You present your soul, your mind, your will, your emotions to him. You stretch forth your hands or whatever you want to do and you present your soul to him. Let's read another one of David's Psalms. Psalms 62. Starting at verse 1. I'll give you a little while to turn there. Psalm 62, verse 1. David says, My soul finds rest in God alone. Your soul needs rest. And it finds rest in God alone. It might find temporary rest other places, but true rest is found in God alone for your soul. My soul finds rest in God alone. My salvation comes from him. He alone is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will never be shaken. How long will you assault a man? Would all of you throw him down? This leaning wall, this tottering fence. Have you ever felt like a tottering fence? Have you seen a tottering fence? Just one more gust or shove gust of wind or shove, and you could collapse. You can't take it anymore. Your soul has had enough. One more thing and I'm falling down. Unfortunately, when our souls suffer, it affects our physical bodies too. We can't help it, and vice versa. When our physical bodies suffer, we can't help it affecting our souls too. Verse 4, they fully intend to topple him from his lofty place. They take delight in lies. With their mouths they bless, but in their hearts they curse. I think they call that two-faced. Yeah? Have you ever heard of the phrase soul-destroying? People and situations can be the cause of such pain in our souls. Have you ever bled a radiator? I know I've used this analogy before, but have you ever bled a radiator? Yeah? Have you got a radiator key at home? Somewhere. Yeah, we've got several. I actually bought one the other day. I was in, uh, where is it? Ryman's. And what's, Ryman's, yeah, it shares with um, Robert Dias, yeah. And there was Allen keys on next to the till. And I bought one because they were there. It's always handy to have an Allen key. 
bleeding radiators. It's satisfying, isn't it? Because when radiators get air trapped in the system, you can feel the top is cold, but the bottom might be warm, or half might be hot, half might be cold, because the air is trapping, blocking the circulation. And so you need to release that air to let the hot water do its thing and properly circulate again. Okay? People, experiences, the presence of evil, sin committed by you or against you, causes hiss, a build-up of hiss in your soul, doesn't it? Yeah? Your soul begins to be cooled by this trapped stuff, trapped wind. (laughs) Okay. When did you want to borrow someone's radiator key? No. This stuff, not wind, but this this kind of hiss that builds up because of the the circumstances, the situations, it builds up, doesn't it? It stifles the real you. It stifles the born-again, spirit-filled you. Some people have more hiss than others. And like radiators, our souls need to be bled. They need a plumber. Well, actually, they don't need a plumber. They need a caretaker. Who's the caretaker? Jesus Christ. Now, you can let the hiss out to others, like sharing problems and sharing our frustrations. But remember who your soul really thirsts for. Remember who's most qualified to take care of your soul. It does help to share it with others. It does help to have counselling and therapy. But remember there's one who created you for him. Verse 5. Find rest, O my soul, in God alone. My hope comes from him. He alone is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will not be shaken. My salvation and my honour depend on God. He is my mighty mock and my refuge. So this psalm so far has told us who to turn to, who our souls thirst for, but what do we do when we turn to Jesus? Well, it answers in the next verse, verse 8. Trust in him at all times, O people. Pour out your hearts to him, for God is our refuge. Again, this is how you turn your soul to Jesus. Pour out your heart to him. Lamentations 2.19 says this. Pour out your heart like water before the face of the Lord. Imagine getting a bottle of water or a cup or something and just pouring it out. That's what you're supposed to be doing with your soul, with your heart, in the face of the Lord. Pouring it out like water. Okay. Now, David echoes this ever so simple yet ever so powerful way of finding soul rest in other Psalms too. In Psalm 55, verse 16, David says this, But I call to God, and the Lord saves me. Evening, morning, and noon, I cry out in my distress, and he hears my voice. And then we skip to verse 22. 
Cast your cares on the Lord and he will sustain you. So, did anyone receive John Platt's message this morning? How often does God speak to you? You've read it in the Bible, then suddenly someone sends it to you, or you're writing a sermon and someone, the day you're meant to preach, John Platt writes his thing. John Platt said this. Remember what we just read up there. John Platt says this this morning. Beloved, cast all your care upon me, for I greatly care for you. Oh yes, my dear one, morning, noon, and night. My arm around you holds you tight, precious child of mine. Do you think God might be saying something to someone today, confirming? This is God's word speaking to you today. And also in Psalm 142, this is what he says, David says, I cry aloud to the Lord. I lift up my voice to the Lord for mercy. I pour out my complaint before him. Before him, I tell my trouble. Are you seeing a pattern? We lift up our souls. We pour out our hearts. Before him, we tell our trouble. Now let's read a couple more scriptures in the New Testament just to affirm this process. In 1 Peter 5, it says, Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. All your anxiety. Not just a brief word, but all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. And the words of Jesus in Matthew 11, uh, verse 28, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Jesus says, come to me, pour it out, and you'll find rest for your souls. Ah, welcome. If you would like, they're, they're watching a video. The young people and the children are watching a video in the hall. If you would like to, or you can spend some time with us. We're just about to watch a video too, in a minute. So the best way that I have found personally to do what we've just read and heard David describe and hear what Jesus is asking us to do, the best way that I've found is that for the last 15 years, pretty much every day, I might have missed a few days each year, but pretty much every day for the last 15 years, I have written a letter to Jesus. Now, I worked out that that's about 5,500 letters that I've written, not to Father Christmas, but to Jesus. Now, I'm not boasting, I'm just saying that because I've been doing that, that is the number of letters. That's the, that's the fact. And I thought, well, that's, that's a lot of letters. That's a lot of me pouring out my heart. But I've benefited from it. Um, now, I begin by saying, writing at the top of my piece of paper, I've bought my current book here, I begin by saying, good morning, Jesus. Here's this morning's one. Good morning, Lord Jesus. I put, good morning, Lord Jesus Christ. And then I say something like, most awesome saviour, or my wonderful good shepherd, or whatever I want to begin my letter with. And I then pour out my heart like water before the Lord. I pour out my complaint I pour out my thanksgiving, 
my worries, my, I cast my anxiety on him because he cares. Now, I have disciplined myself or told myself, you are not stopping writing until you've filled up the page. Now, if you want to write more, if you're having a particularly difficult day the day before or whatever's going on, or you've got particularly a lot to say, then use as many pages as you like. But I have found it a helpful discipline to say to myself, even if I've stopped halfway, I've got nothing more to say, wait. And wait some more and see what else comes up. And if nothing else comes up, then fill it anyway with thanksgiving, with praise, whatever you want to say to the Lord. Okay? So that's, that's what I've found. Now, it helps to be completely honest with no holds barred. If you're worried about other people reading it, shred it. Or do what I do. When you finish the whole thing and I've torn out the pages that are significant to me, I then burn it in the bin at the bottom of the garden. So don't, you don't have to worry. You shouldn't be worried about other people reading it because you need to be as honest as you can. Because being honest with yourself in Jesus actually tells him that you're trusting in his love. You can't shock him. He knows it all already. It's amazing, isn't it, that God knows even our thoughts, and yet he still says to me, come, talk to me, share with me. He went to Adam and Eve and said, where are you? As if he didn't know. What have you done? As if he didn't know. So be as honest as you can, If you struggle with writing, then just turn it into a list, a bullet point list of things that you want to say. Because in a moment, you're then going to read it aloud to him. You've written it down, and the process of writing actually creates more of a flow, and you write more than you'd say. If I try to pour out my heart like water before the Lord, it would take me about 20 seconds, and I'd run out of things to say. When I write things down, it creates a better flow. Okay. Uh, what else? Remember, you are doing this by faith. Okay? Jesus is not physically there in front of you. So when you're writing this, when you're reading this aloud, you're doing it by faith. Faith that he is actually with you and in you. Faith that he's actually said, open the door and let me in, and I'll eat with you and you with me. This exchange conversation going on. Okay? Trusting that as you draw near to him, he has promised in James to draw near to you. Trusting that he is indeed listening with you, and you are indeed opening the door of your soul to the shepherd of your soul when you are doing this, according to what we've just read in Scripture. Okay, This isn't the only way of writing it down. You can do whatever you want to do, but I've found this is the best way for me. All right. Now, shall we see a quick video? Over to you, Ed. Thank you. Hey, Jesus. Sorry I'm late. Work was crazy today. No, don't get up. It's okay. Uh, yeah, just got a little bit behind. People are being crazy, you know. That's no problem, Chuck. I'm just glad. No, I'm glad I made it too. Listen, let's get down to business. I have a lot of work here. A lot of requests. 
First things first, pastor and his wife are at a conference. Keep them safe. Uh, I'm not a fan of the assistant pastor. The less he preaches, the better. Uh, what else? Ralph, his wife, is getting a tattoo removed. It's a stupid college party way back when. You know how those things go. It's in a real painful spot. I'm not a fan of football here, but my friend is. And if I could have two tickets to take him to show him how cool I am so he'd be my friend some more, that'd be great. My dog nibbles. Has a gimp leg. Chimney crickets. You know, now that I'm thinking, I could use a new jacket. I'm getting fuzzies all in this one. Please bless my sister, my mother, my father. Our father who art in heaven, my neighbor, Cindy. Hallowed be thy name. Can you sort of train my church to clap on two and four, please? One and three, this is not disco, people. This is serving the Lord. The guy who brings in my shopping cart from the thing. Something I can do to get a raise. Can you read what I wrote here? I think I was, I was dreaming. Bless the Secretary of State, the Secretary of Agriculture, the Secretary of Secretaries. Bless their secretaries. Thy kingdom, thy kingdom come. And that's what bothers me about my mother. Hey, look at the time there. That's, uh, it's, uh, gotta get going there. Jesus is gonna wrap this up and say amen. Amen. Uh, it's been a pleasure praying with you. It's fine evening. I'll be talking with you. Have a good day. Anyone recognize themselves? <laughs> See how he, Jesus was just about to lean in and begin to talk. And he says, well, that's enough. Got to wrap it up now. Got to be going on. So the next bit is just as important. Having poured out your heart, now it's time to listen to what Jesus wants to say. After all, in Revelation 3, he did say that I will come and eat with you and you with me. This is a two-way exchange going on. This is definitely not supposed to be just one way of me writing my letter and then reading it aloud to him. Jesus did say, didn't he, that he's the good shepherd and that his shepherd will listen to his voice. So firstly, what I do is I now drink and eat. Remember what we read in Isaiah 55? Come by, drink and eat. Now I've read aloud and spoken to Jesus aloud what I've been pouring my heart out. I then read his word. I then turn to the Bible and eat and drink the milk and the meat of the word of God. Because the Bible is the most reliable way of God speaking to you of you hearing God speak to you. And quite often, he will speak directly to you through Scripture. Now, if you're someone who just likes to open the Bible anywhere each morning, then God does speak to you. And when you read the Everyday with Jesus, it's amazing, isn't it? How often it's just written for you for that day. But if you don't read the Bible from front to back and then front to back, and then front to back. I encourage you to do that as well, which others have encouraged, like Nick has encouraged, and Simon has encouraged us recently. Because you'll be amazed that even in the obscure 
never read before verses how God can speak to you probably more through reading the Bible front to back each day in your circumstances than if you just keep opening it up at random places. You'll be surprised. So, read the Bible. Jesus, I've just poured my heart out to you. What do you want to say to me? And once you've read the scripture, however long you've read, choose some of what you've read and then write that down. Now, I write everything in three colours. Black is my letter. Blue is the scripture that I think God is speaking to me or just highlighting to me that day. And I write the scripture down. And you'll be amazed that if you get a pen and a paper and you start writing down scripture and verses, you'll be amazed at how much revelation you get just by writing each, each word down. God will start to speak to you and show you what that verse means in, an, in, a, in a way that you didn't see before just by writing it down, spending writing it down because you're sitting with the author of the Bible and he wants to teach you and that's one way of doing it. Okay, so you write down a verse, a passage, a word even of what something that is in the Bible. It might be that God's not speaking to you. It might be that you think... I don't understand that verse. I don't understand that passage. Choose that one. Write that down. Because God might be able to speak to you and give you some understanding just by writing it down or just by what he's about to say next. Okay? So, read the word after you've listened, if you've spoken to Jesus, because he's one who speaks to you. Read the word. If you've got time, write some of it down, and he might even speak to you through that process. And then, when you've read the word, when you've written it down, now I then write in pencil, in grey. And that's where I put, speak Lord Jesus, for your beloved is eagerly listening. Now I call myself his beloved because that's what my name means. David in Hebrew is beloved. So, just like Samuel was told to go back, Go back to bed, and if God speaks to you again, say to him, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. That's why I've chosen to write that. Speak, Lord, for your beloved is eagerly listening. And then you write down what you sense the Lord is saying to you. Now, it might be from what you've just poured out what you've complained about, what you've given thanks about. It might be to do with the scripture and the Bible passage that you've just read, or it might be nothing to do with that. Now, when I say you write down what the Lord is saying to you, you probably won't hear an audible voice. Sometimes you might, but people do sometimes, but not very often. What I mean is, what is the Holy Spirit saying to your spirit? What is Jesus' heart saying to your heart? What do you sense him? What are the thoughts that come to your mind that he may be speaking to you? Now, this is definitely not automatic writing where someone takes over your hands or anything like that. You are very much in control. What does the Bible say? The spirit of the prophets are in control by the prophets, aren't they? Okay. This is very much you sensing what the Lord is saying to you and writing it down. Now, 
Don't be put off by thinking, well, this is just me, wishful thinking, writing whatever down. Because often, when you read it back, you'll be surprised at how Christ-like it can be. Now, sometimes it will be just you. But when you've read Scripture, when you know Scripture, then when you know what Jesus has already said, you can recognize what Jesus, or better recognize what Jesus is currently saying. Just like if you had a favorite author and you read all the books in their series and then another book came out, supposedly by your favorite author, but actually was written by an imposter who was pretending to be your favorite author. They just put their name on it to sell more books. You'd soon recognize by reading this book that it wasn't by your favorite author, even if it has his name on it or her name on it, because you know their style. You know what they say and how they say it. When you know scripture well, you can discern better what is the Lord and what is not. But this is an opportunity, again, for you to be listening. Okay. If if you've done all that, poured out your heart, You've written it, you've read it aloud to him, you've then read the word, you've then written down some of the word, you've then written down what Jesus is saying. Or Sorry, if you can't hear what Jesus is saying, then I found this helpful. After 30 seconds of waiting on the Lord Jesus to say something or to begin to get a sense of him saying something, and you're struggling, I picture what Jesus did to John in the book of Revelation. Jesus appeared to John in Revelation and it says that Jesus put his hand on John's shoulder and said, do not be afraid. It is I. I am the last, the first and the last, the living one. I was dead and look, I am alive forever and ever and I hold the keys to death and Hades. So I picture the resurrected and glorified Jesus coming and put his hand on my shoulder and saying that very thing and then wait to sense what he might be saying after that to me. Don't stress yourself if you get nothing. Don't worry. But don't give up. Wait each day just to see and see what happens. Now, two wonderful... No, I won't... No, I won't show that. Two, sorry. Two wonderful things happen when we open our souls to Jesus, the caretaker. Our souls indeed find more rest and restoration when we do this. And the proof and outcome of this is much less hiss circulating our soul and much more fruit of his spirit. You'll experience more love, more joy, more peace, more patience, more gentleness, more more kindness, more faithfulness, more self-control in your spirit. Because you are doing exactly what he says, you're pouring out your heart, you're spending time with him, and he is taking care of your soul. When you pour it out, you'll find he begins to work. A bit like the teabag experiment that I've shown you in the past. 
to close, I wanted to share this, some words that I felt Jesus was saying to me whilst journaling. Feel free to uh, close your eyes. I enjoy closing my eyes just to concentrate. I felt the Lord say this to me. Cast your cares on me, morning, noon and evening. This is the way you develop a relationship with me. By coming to me and being totally open and honest with yourself and me. Trust me to listen. By making the effort to pour your heart out to me, you are declaring your trust in my love. And that really blesses me. Remember the scripture. Submit to me and resist the devil. You cannot submit to me unless you are completely honest with yourself and me, which will automatically require you to pour out your heart, which leads to your cares being cast over to me. And from my love you receive from our relationship, you will have the assurance that I am taking care of all that concerns and is concerning you. Abide in me. Make me your dwelling place. The shadow of the Almighty your refuge. Draw close and stay close. You feel close because taking the time to pour your heart out to me is drawing close to me. I am he who comforts you. It is I who comforts you. This is why you should come to me and pour out your heart to me so that you can draw close enough to be comforted. How can a person be comforted properly unless they allow themselves to be vulnerable enough to draw near and to be humbly honest? Many want comfort from me, but at a distance. They don't really want the comfort giver. They want quick fixes and sticking plasters. Real acceptance of my comfort requires full exposure of wounds and honesty of heart and soul. Pouring out your heart like water before me is a huge part of this process. It is faith in my loving kindness that invests time in drawing close to me and trusting me to listen and respond in any way I see fit. This is how you cast your cares over to me and instead receive in exchange gladness and joy. This is real treasure. Treasure not hidden so that people cannot find it, but hidden so that people will seek and draw near to find it. It is liberating to know that you can come to me and talk about anything. To be open, to be who you are and how you feel. I want you to do this. I want my children to turn to me, even if they are angry with me. I am their shepherd, and I'd rather they come to me than not. Use these times to be honest with me and with yourself. You can thank me and write requests, but I want you to pour your heart out to me too. I don't just want to hear the positive things, the things that you think I want to hear. Pour out your complaints before me. Come to me and tell me your trouble. I know the way in the path that you walk. Do not hide anything from yourself or from me. This is a truth that will set you free.
Father, Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit. Help us, please, to find time, to make time, to build our relationship with you. to exchange our nakedness, our poor, wretched, pitiful, blind souls and buy from you this amazing salve for our eyes, wonderful gold refined in the fire and these lovely garments, pure white. As we come and buy from you and eat with you and you with us. Lord, our lives are so busy but we realise that any relationship takes effort and time and regularity. How much more important is our relationship with you. To let you truly be the shepherd and caretaker of our souls. Please, fill us with wisdom and determination this new year to spend quality time with you. Please show us how to do that and where and when Please deliver us from the enemy and all the ways he tries to stop our fellowship with you. Thank you, King Jesus. Amen.